Well, greetings, imagination connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, your master of fun and wonder, your viceroy of verisimilitude, and, as John Campia likes to call me, your existential Mr. Rogers. That's right, Robert Meyer Burnett and I have the joyous task of bringing you another part of our The Batman spoiler discussion. I'm just going to jump right into it because, my God, I can't wait to hear from you. We're going to start with Andy. Andy. Andy, one of three. Andy says, I think this was I think this was Batman understanding that vengeance what wasn't having an effect and thus was transitioning over to justice. Bruce came off as a selfish prick, beating criminals to fulfill vengeance for his trauma, but he never addressed the criminal elements and the things that lead to it. And I loved how he even gets called out by Selena Ford. Andy, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of the things that makes this movie uh, as good as it is. And, you know, the question he asks, he even says at the beginning in that voiceover that even though he's been out on the streets patrolling and doing his Batman things for two years, he hasn't had any effect on the crime. The crime has just gone up. And, you know, getting vengeance is not solving the root of the problem. And I think by the end, one of the reasons I like the movie so much is by the end of the film, um, he realizes that justice is more important than vengeance. And I think, I mean, I don't know how profound that is, but it's definitely a question and answer that has not been posed by any other Batman movie. And I think the way Matt Reeves did it, both in his script and then the film itself, his direction, it really goes a long way toward making this movie something definitely special. And I think... I think a lot of people are responding to that. Raymond Verrata sends in a super chat and says, from the Super Pets trailer, Keanu as the new Batman. I know, man, and he sounds good. He sounds good. I mean, I've been a Keanu Reeves fan all the way back uh, since River's Edge, and uh, it's great to see his career having come as far as it has. I think he's going to be a good Batman. He sounds great. Uh, Cody Hunt said, this series can be about adopting the Bruce Wayne persona. Cody, that's that's actually a really good idea, too. I love that idea. Um, the fact that, you know, we've often said that there is no Bruce Wayne is the persona and him, him, him coming to grips with that. If that's an undercurrent of whatever Matt Reeves movies, whatever they turn out to be, whether there's one or two or even a trilogy, I love that idea. That's really, really good. And he comes back again, one of two. The fan theory of Batman and Riddler being brothers would have made no sense. Batman becomes best friends with you when he finds out both your moms share the same name. What's he going to do when he finds out you both share the same mom? Marry you? That would have made for an awkward resolution. Laugh out loud. Andy, I never, I never believed that that was going to happen. And they kind of insinuated that in Joker. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't think that was the case here. I never really believed in that. Um, I just didn't. But I did. I did like. I, I like the idea that they're they're sort of they can empathize with both being well. The the Riddler's an orphan, and that's why he fixated probably on Bruce. That and the fact Bruce Wayne was very wealthy. But even though he rejected, he doesn't know what it, it's like to be wealthy. I think that he really believed. Obviously, he wanted. In his mind, he was working with the Batman in tandem, and he thought that they were going to work together, that they were they were a de facto team, even though 
the Batman didn't feel that way. I like that. I thought that was really pretty good. Um, uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in a super chat and says, Riddler was a great feeling because she understood where he was coming from. All the victims he killed were corrupt people who abused their power. Um, yeah, well, I think that's true. That I think that there was a sympathy there, but the thing is, if you're a murderer, you're still a psychopath, uh, even if you're killing people that may have had it coming. But does anyone really deserve to lose their life? I mean, it comes down to, even in even in, in our society, capital punishment, there's still people that debate the merits of whether or not um, the death penalty should still be on the books. And I think that throughout the Batman film, the Batman doesn't believe in necessarily killing criminals. He even says he stops Catwoman from doing it. Says, "Don't in killing people, you lose your own soul." So, Andy says, "Is this new Batman truly going to find his Bruce Wayne persona and do more than just vengeance to save Gotham throughout a series of films?" Well, Andy, I think that's probably, as we just had another viewer say, underneath that's probably part of what's going to happen. And I like that idea. I mean, I like great stories are all about characters in some way, shape or form changing or learning something. And I think that that's, if that's what's going on in this movie. It makes sense um, because the only way I think that Bruce Wayne can connect or that the Batman can connect to other human beings is through the Bruce Wayne persona. Uh, not to get too weird about it, but I think that that's important that Bruce Wayne is in fact developed. Pablo Zaniga sends in a super chat and says anytime I felt the movie started to drag a new story element would be introduced and I'd be sucked back in. I don't know how I feel about another Joker though. Hey man, I'm with you. I was totally sucked back in. I love, even though the movie was deliberately paced, I love how it all, uh, it all came together and sort of congealed. I thought it was terrific. Really, really enjoyed it. And, um, I feel, I feel exactly the way you do about Joker. I mean, I don't know. He is he is the the pinnacle of bat villains, and I know people like want to see him, or maybe they're tired of him or not. I don't need to see another Joker. I know Warner Brothers probably says, "Well, you have to do that again." I don't know what you do with that character, but I think if they did bring him back, Matt, Matt Reeves could probably figure out a way to do it effectively. Crashing Coyote sends in a super chat and says, "Batman went kebab on that mother effer." I, I got to tell you, I mean, all the times when Batman went kebab or Khabib, Khabib, uh, I loved it. I mean, the fights in this movie were brutal, man. You felt them. They were painful. Even at the end of the movie, when they revealed that poor dude's face, I was like, oh, my God. I thought it was going to be just hideous, but um, it wasn't as bad as I thought. But, yeah, he crashed a coyote. You ain't wrong. Addison sends in a super chat and says, Riddler on TV. I will expose the truth and the corrupt. Riddler 2 on his channel. Hey, guys, thanks to 500 followers and your super chats mean a lot. This is the world we live in, Addison. This is the world we live in. But it added authenticity to it because, look, even though he's sharing his manifesto and trying to mobilize his own private army to do his bidding, yeah, just like we do, we're very happy for the sport. Why shouldn't Riddler be? Uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in another super chat. Also, I love the fact that he enters the club three different ways and each way he did it differently, but it was still so good and unique. That's a really good point. Um, and you saw it in different, like not just in different ways, but his different personas, different attitudes. I agree. And I think that was, 
you know, there's a rule of threes and in, in when you're making movies, a lot of it, a lot of the time it refers to cuts, but also story beats. And uh, you're absolutely right about that. And I think that for sure, that was definitely intentional. Reamer Bulldog goes on and says, the fact that the rat was symbolism of Falcone, so the Riddler, or Falcone, so the Riddler actually exposed and brought him to justice, even though he did it the wrong way. I know. I mean, that's the ironic stuff about this movie. I think it worked on many different levels, and you're absolutely right about that. Totally right about that. But that's why I think, you know, it resonated with so many people. It made it, it made it good. Andy sends in a super chat, one of three. Bruce seemed to see crime as black and white until Selena and Riddler came along. He didn't understand that some people had to steal to feed themselves. I guess you could say Bruce couldn't cut it as a wise man nor as a poor man stealing. By the end, he's done with living like a blind man, sick of sight without a sense of feeling. This means it's confirmed that Matt Reeves wants to use how do you remind me as the next song for a sequel? Well, I don't know about that. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. But I do think that's a really good supposition. And I think your point is well taken. I mean, I, I think one of the people one of the people, one of the reasons people are responding to this movie is there's a lot there. You know, like any great story, if you took the Batman out of this story and you didn't set it in Gotham, and it was about any regular police officer or or somebody that didn't have the backstory of Batman and it was just about somebody that took the law into their own hands, it would still be a compelling film because the way it la- there's layers upon layers upon layers and there's allusions to things. I think you're absolutely right, Andy. And I think this is why uh, everyone is digging this movie because, you know, there's just, there's a lot to it and it means many things to many people like any good story does. So we are lucky. Uh, Tim Platt. There's a plate, uh, I think it's Platt. I'm not claiming this to be true in any way, but in my head, I kind of see Batfleck as the more seasoned version of Battinson. Tim, me too. You and I, we park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. I absolutely think there's an element of that in this, and I could see that happening. After all, this is, I mean, Affleck's Batman. I mean, I don't know the actual age of Pattinson in relation to Affleck, but in my mind, there's like a 20 year difference between the two of them. I could absolutely see that. Absolutely see that. And right now, right now, there are no other superheroes on the earth or none that have revealed themselves. But if you follow that logic, Superman uh, reveals himself after this. And I could see that working. Uh, Lima Tango sends in a super chat and says, fun fact. Danny Elfman, Hans Zimmer, and Michael Giacchino, in that order, have all done scores for different iterations of Bats and Spidey. Amazing, right? How crazy is that? Uh, And, of course, isn't Elfman coming back to do Doctor Strange? So, I don't know what that means, but how cool. Uh, Brandon Barrett sends in a super chat and says, Hey guys, one or two. I think this 45-day window is still damaging to theaters. Me and my boys saw the Batman on Thursday night. He texted me last night. He was planning on seeing, Brandon, the Batman again in theaters until he saw an ad that said Batman will be on HBO Max by uh, April 19th, and now he's going to wait. I'm still planning on seeing it again at least two times in the theaters. Brandon, look, I'm, I, I understand everyone's trying to figure out in this new world order how, 
how long the theatrical windows are going to last and where we're going to go with things. So I'm with you. I, I think that the 45-day window is too short. I get it. I would keep it 60. Because if you have a runaway hit like a Spider-Man No Way Home, why pull the, the, the film from theaters if it's still making money? I mean, I think a movie like The Batman could have legs and um, do, do well for the studio. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it can be uh, not helpful. Uh, Chad Coveyduck sent a super chat in and said that opening though, criminals looking at the bat signal and then looking at dark alleys and then getting spooked. Amazing. And that look bat gives the kids walking out of the first crime scene was heart wrenching, man, Chad, I'm, I'm with you. And that's another thing that this movie, there's a certain kind of poetry to that. You know, the criminals, the bat signal. I mean, obviously I don't think we've ever seen a bat signal used in quite that way or, or having it contextualized the way that, uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman contextualizes it in the beginning of the film. I completely agree with you, and I think that's just another great touch. So, um, yeah, I agree. Jonathan Teft says, sends in a super chat and says, the Batmobile chase scene was beyond epic in the Dolby Cinema, the ABC, the AMC, ABC, AB, AMC Dolby Cinema, dude. Uh, we first saw the, the movie in IMAX, and I got to tell you, when the Batmobile starts up, I mean, that was, that was you know, I, I manscaped because I wanted to feel it all the way in my balls. And you do. It's incredible. Uh, it's incredible. And you are right. Amazing. Uh, Rudy Scalisi sends in a super chat. says, I was totally immersed with the film, and I love the third act. I agree with Rob. All right. I agree with Rob. That it was needed to show how Batman is the guardian for all of Gotham. That's right, Rudy. I'm glad you and I park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay because I'm right. And, you know, the thing is, it is a different approach. But suddenly, the, the when the conspiracy is unveiled and you see how far down the rabbit hole it goes and that the Riddler has mobilized these forces, then it becomes about something bigger than just it was it was all personal up to that point. And then it became impersonal and much larger and I, I agree with that, and I think that's, um, you're right, Rudy, and I, that's how I felt exactly about the ending. I didn't feel like it was from a certain different movie. I felt it was, it was, it was the full picture is finally, you know, we look at things myopically, or, and then when the full picture is revealed, well, it's not exactly what we thought. Anders F. sends in a super chat and says, I'm still digesting. I totally agreed with your assessment that it is a perfect Batman movie. Anyone else get Imperial March vibes from certain parts of the score? I couldn't help but hear it. There is a bit of that, and I there is a bit of that, and I I, I think it really is kind of a perfect Batman movie. I mean, what more can you expect? It's so handsomely made. It has a lot on its mind. Pattinson's a great Batman. Um, all the bat trappings are there. I I I am with you, hundred percent. Um. And I think we're going to be digesting this movie for a long time because, you know, you, you you deal with how it's processed at first. And you're like, did you dig it? Sure. But how is it going to sit with you months and years to come? That's what we're going to have to find out. And uh, I'm down. I, I'm with you. I think it's I think I'm still digesting and I've seen it twice and I'm still thinking about it. Uh, Jonathan Teft sent in a super chat and said, I'm a big fan of Penguin and so happy that we finally got a perfect live action version of the character. Colin Farrell crushed it in the role. You know what? Not only did we get a great version of it, I believe him. 
I believe at some point that he is going to provide uh, a great foil to Batman, that he's going to be a problem. And I, I, I thought it was really, really, really uh, well done. And he was so, so good in the role. And I, I'm, I'm in. Uh, Josh Holbert sends in a super chat. Says, "Hey all, do you guys think that Riddler was a proxy for Hush? You, uh, there, <laughs> there, was a lot of nods at him, especially when they delve into the Wayne's past. I also love the references for the Long Halloween. Look." Uh, why not do a hush? I mean, I don't know if we'd need to know more of Batman's backstory before you could actually do that whole story, but maybe not. I mean, they definitely, they were not, they were wearing their influences on their sleeve and that's okay. Whether it's Arkham games, whether it's a, a long Halloween or hush, or they want to allude to that. Why not? I'm sure it was all there because, you know, Matt Reeves probably read every Batman graphic novel he could get his hands on before even beginning the script process. So I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think it was probably intentional. Reamer Bulldog says, I love when he led the people out of the water. It was symbolism of getting rid of the corruption in Gotham. And that works for me. Uh, that part works for me as part of the third act. Well, Reamer, with like you, I, you know, it, it's frustrating to hear people like, well, where did the third act come from? I, I don't understand it. It, it. It was like watching a new movie or a different movie. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe that at all because that third act is a fulfillment of the actual question that, the Batman asks in voiceover at the beginning, can he make a difference to the people of Gotham? And he does. He absolutely does. And we see that. And, you know, how many Batman movies we see he's rescuing people. The sun is coming up. And there he was on the roof of the building making sure women and children were safe. He's he's out in the open. He's not hiding, you know. Winged bat terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. We've seen Batman working in the shadows. Batman walks into a room, dresses Batman with 50 cops. He's not hiding. And I think you're absolutely right. And I love the ending of this movie. I thought it was great. Andy sends in another super chat and says, Pattinson's Bruce saving the kid at the funeral reminded me of Affleck's Bruce saving the little girl at the start of Batman v Superman and how they related to those kids. I agree with you 100%. I thought that was wonderful. And one of my favorite depictions of Batman or anything Batman on film is the opening of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which is the replay of the end of Man of Steel with the Kryptonian battle over the skies of Metropolis. And the fact that Bruce, you know, flies in, runs in and in his beautiful three-piece suit and runs into the trouble, saves that girl. I love that sequence. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Batman saving the souls of innocence because he had his own innocence stripped from him. I'm in. Absolutely. Reamer Bulldog says... The Batman movie is more of a mystery thriller than a comic book movie. So if you're going to in, if you're going into this movie for a fantasy comic book Batman movie, then this is not going to be for you. And I think I think look, you're absolutely right. Everybody has a different kind of Batman that they love. Some people, you know, look, I grew up and I I have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for the 66 campy Batman with Burt Ward and Adam West. And when I was a kid, every new episode they have a new villain. I mean, I love that. But I think as I got older and as I lived through the 80s comic renaissance and read things like Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns, and then I grew up as a kid in the 70s, I loved Batman, the Denny O'Neill and um, um, the, the, the comics that he was writing that Neil Adams drew. I mean, those were great comics. And those were very different than 
the campy Batman of the 60s. And then, of course, and even in the 80s, you know, I was reading like Jim Aparo and Mike Barr doing Batman and the Outsiders, which was Batman leading a wacky bunch. It was, and then Batman was in uh, Justice League International or Justice League in the mid 80s that uh, J.M. DeMattius and Keith Giffen wrote and Kevin McGuire drew. That was goofy too, but then at the same time, Frank Miller was giving us Dark Knight Rises and Batman Year One. So there was very there was different versions of the Batman, and so I think you're right. People might want a more fantasy bent or more of the Batman the animated series bent, which I totally understand. But would have that would that have worked for this Batman? And I I don't know if it would. A uh, Reamer Bulldog goes on and says the Batman makes some crucial mistakes when he's investigating the Riddler that shows that he's still not fully a detective yet, but he's on his way. Well, I agree. I mean, you know, that's that what makes that's what make great. But that what make that's what makes a great character, a fully realized character is somebody that has to learn if he was if he was just perfect. And if the Batman was completely infallible, especially in this movie. It wouldn't be a very interesting movie. So you're absolutely right about that. And I think the fact that he's not perfect, it's what makes him a great character. And uh, I'm with you on that, 100%. Uh, Comic Nitzer sends in a super chat and says, my favorite relationship is Gordon and Batman and Catwoman and Batman. Comic Nitzer, I am with you. Uh, or is it Comic Nizer? I don't know. Comic Nizer? I hope I got it right and didn't screw it up. I hate that. I always feel terrible when I say someone's name wrong. I'm like, oh, man. Anyway, but no, I and I thought that was one of the great strengths of this movie. I love the fact that young Gordon, I mean, not quite Commissioner Gordon and Batman are like partners there. It's almost like Riggs and Murtaugh, you know, uh, from Lethal Weapon. Uh, I love that. And the relationship that Catwoman and Batman developed was really, really intriguing. And I really well defined and. Uh, I got to say, I I was so there for that. I, I'm a huge fan. I thought they did a phenomenal job uh, establishing those relationships. So I'm with you 100%. Uh, Ryan Lohner says, here's a crazy idea. Why not just hire Richard Kind instead of making up Colin Farrell to look exactly like him? He'd probably be pretty good. <laughs> um, you know, he probably would be. But uh, I think that Colin Farrell, as far as, you know, when you're making a movie, the studio does want to have enough name actors that they can justify their investment in a project. Not that Richard Kind isn't a great actor. I've actually met Richard Kind. He's a great guy. And I would love to see uh, see him get all kinds of crazy good work. But I think with Colin Farrell, they probably didn't know that they were going to make him look exactly kind of like Richard Kind when they started. But um, I think... Colin Farrell did a pretty damn good job. I really enjoyed him in the role, but you're not wrong, Ryan. He does look a lot like Mr. Kind. Uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in another super chat and says, follow the maze until you find the rat. Bring him into the light and you'll find where I'm at. That was a riddle to Falcone. Once they brought him to justice is when the Riddler is revealed. It's true. And I look, I like the fact that the Riddler's riddles were actually pretty good, even though, you know, none of them had these long-term, like, what does that mean? I like the fact that Batman knew the answers because it's not like the Riddler wanted to keep his plans a secret. You know, if everyone went away and was like, I wonder what he meant, and it took him days to figure it out, I don't think the narrative would have been propelled forward the way it was in the movie. But, yeah, I really did enjoy the um, the riddles, Mr. Reamer. 
Enjoyed it. Eric Lynch says, Hi, John, this film had the best score I've ever heard in a comic book film. I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. Um, I still think the best score ever heard in a comic book movie, hands down, bar none, is John Williams' score for Superman the movie. I mean, by a factor of 25. Uh, nothing, nothing comes close to John Williams' Superman score. Listen to it across. It was a double album when it first came out. It's just magnificent. It's a cut above. But, and I think there's been a lot of other great comic book uh, scores, but the score in this film was unique. And I think you're right. I mean, Eric, it's a great score. Batman has his own theme music now and he enters a room. I I loved that. It was almost like the theme to Jaws. You know, it's that kind of, of iconic it's not quite done, but it's pretty damn good. Um, I, 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 I really love that theme. And you go on to say, what's better, the Batman or the Wonder Woman theme music? Okay. Okay. I can't get enough. Uh, now, I would say this. I think overall, the score for the Batman is probably better than the score for Wonder Woman. But, and the Batman entering the room, that theme is very cool. But I got to tell you, that Wonder Woman's theme with the, with Tina Guo ripping on the electric cello. Come on, man, that is that is some that is. I love that theme. I mean, it's not like John Williams dun 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 dun. dun, dun it, but it's pretty damn good. I mean, it's just more rock and roll, and dare I say it, metal. And I love that. I love it. Uh, Tucker Voiles sends in a super chat and says, I think my favorite part of the movie was Gordon and Batman's relationship. They played off against each other really well and excited to see the movie again. Well, Tucker, I agree with you. I thought that again, that relationship was great. It was almost like they were like veteran police partners that had been together for a long time. And obviously, you know, Gordon trusts Batman implicitly, even goes to bat with him, uh, against, you know, or not against, but in front of his fellow cops. And that's pretty cool. You know, that's, I, I love their relationship. I, I, I think really their relationship was the heart of the movie. Uh, it really was. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Reamer Bulldog sends in another super chat. Reamer, thank you so much for supporting the channel in this way. I like in the third act when the Riddler detonates the bomb and causes the flood because it's symbolism of cleansing the corruption of Gotham. That part works for me. It is. It's biblical. I mean, obviously the allusions to a flood are very, very much biblical and, and I know that's what he wanted to do, uh, to have that water wash away the corruption. But of course, that kind of biblical flood spares no one. And in his desire to make his point, he's also hurting a lot of innocent people. And that's uh, that's where that's where the Batman has to step in. And that's why I do not agree. Actually, I don't agree with the Riddler's methods in this movie. But I don't agree about bringing a, about a biblical flood on all of the citizens of gotham eric lynch sends in a super chat and says hi john robert pattinson is the perfect batman he's a mix of both ben affleck's batman and christian bales batman doesn't kill i hated affleck's batman because of that well batman doesn't set out to kill and in this movie he actually stops other people from killing because he knows if you set out on the path of vengeance and you allow that you allow the vengeance to consume you to the point where you're taking another human life, that act will in fact consume you as well. 
So look, I don't think it's I don't think it's possible to be Batman and and combat crime and not cause the death of criminals. But it's not something that Batman sets out to do. I think it's very much an occupational hazard. But when it, whenever Batman can, if he has an opportunity to take someone's life, he won't do it. But if somebody dies in the process of taking down a bunch of thugs, it's going to happen. Does he want it to? No. But it's not his intention to kill. But for Batman, that is part of the occupational hazards of doing the job. There's no way you can fight crime the way Batman does and not cause the death of a criminal. But he will not. He's not an executioner. So, but I like that. I mean, I like that too. And they make a big point of it. Batman stops people from killing. And I like that. Uh, Rolando Jesperson sends in a super chat and says, Riddler's theme music being a remix of Ave Maria sent chills down my spine on rewatch. Riddler wanted to kill Bruce, and in the end, he was reborn instead. So good. And I'm glad you pointed that out, Rolando, because that's absolutely correct. And that's the whole point of Ave Maria. And, and some people that talk about, well, I was laughing when he was singing that. They're not, they're missing the, they're missing the forest through the trees. Um, you're exactly right. He wanted to kill Bruce, and he winds up being reborn instead. Um, love it. Scott Brown sends in a super chat and says, I loved everything about this movie. It's unlike any other comic book movie I've seen. It feels so personal the way it's shot. The camera is with Bruce the entire time and you experience everything he does. I agree. Uh, it is unlike any comic book movie and whether you like it or not, or whether you're a fan of the film or not, you've got to respect the fact that it is unique. It's its own thing. And I, I thought it's all the better for it. I, I really did. I, um, uh, I'm a, I'm just a big fan of the film. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Kevin Bailey sends in a super chat and says, hello, John, huge fan of yours. Well, I'll tell him, I know you're just getting me. I was so bad. Like, oh man, you wanted John to be here. And I, he's not, I apologize, but I'm the next best thing. Uh, Kevin Bailey sends in a super chat and says, hello, John, huge fan of yours. Which Batman villains would you love to see in the Matt Reeves Batman sequels, assuming that there will be sequels? Well, you know, I like I like villains like the Court of Owls. I got to tell you, I really hope somebody goes back and revisits what was reported to be Ben Affleck's idea and bring in Deathstroke the Terminator. Deathstroke is one of my favorite DC villains. He was introduced in the pages of the New Teen Titans in the early 80s. I love Slade Wilson. And Slade Wilson's like the anti-Batman. You know, he's a rich guy. He's very, he's capable. He's got superhuman uh, abilities in a way because I believe he was imbued with them with drugs, I think. Um, he's almost like Batman's equal, but the but the flip side of it. And I would love the idea that Ben Affleck was going to make that film when the Terminator went up against. And for those of you who don't know, it's Deathstroke the Terminator was the character's name. So when I say the Terminator, I don't mean the... I don't mean that Terminator. I mean... Deathstroke the Terminator. I think you all know. Um, and yes, I have a hot toy from the Arkham games of him. But I, I, uh, I'm I, in. I would love to see that. So that would be my first choice. Although in the comics, he's not specifically a Batman villain. He's not part of Batman's rogues gallery. But I would still love to see it. Um, the horny Ewok. Man, that could 
That could make a lot of Ewoks, I guess. The Horny Ewok sends in a super chat and says, that first fight scene was my favorite, the realest scenes to me. How do you feel in comparison to Man of Steel's first flight? Um, are you, You're talking about when Batman first puts on the wingsuit and flies? I, I mean, that was amazing. I loved that. That wingsuit when he flies to the city... I think Superman's first flight had a little bit more emotional resonance only because we know what flying means to Superman. But I got to tell you when he, when he like, it was like his exterior suit becomes a wingsuit. Dude, I thought that was so dope. I was like, wow. And then of course, the only thing in the movie that I would change, the only thing in the movie is when you're in a wingsuit, the way he ended that flight, he would have gotten hurt, hurt bad. But when he takes that tumble at the end, I was like, come on, man. But that's a minor miss. That's a that's a nitpick. I can live with that. I can I can live with it. I can live with it. I can live with it. Uh uh Vladislaw Misenik says, I loved the opening narration. Felt like reading a comic book. I also loved that we were figuring out stuff just when the Batman did. I am right there with you. I love that we as the audience we saw the world through the eyes of the Batman. I loved that. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I thought it was great. You're absolutely right about that. Yes, indeed. Ryder sends in a super chat and says, some people not liking this Bruce, but him being disconnected from the city and the people make his arc at the end more impactful, in my opinion. They need hope from Batman and Bruce, which he now sees 100%. 100%. And that's why I think the last act of the movie is very important to the film. I mean, it it just is. And you can't you can't disassociate the end of the movie with the rest of the movie. Well, the third act, it's like another movie. Come on. How many times? I, actually, I just love doing this voice. No, it's part of the whole film. You have to have the you have to have the end of that movie and where where it encompasses all of Gotham. And it was really poignant, you know. And not only that, but I mean, the end of the movie has it, it, it. It's it's analogous to what happened with Hurricane Katrina. You know, the Superdome kind of looks like that city center where they were having the election night proceedings. I mean, all of that was intentional. The flooding. I mean, that was completely evocative of Katrina. But the people in New Orleans didn't have a Batman to come rescue them. And I mean, they had a lot of first responders, but they had no one like the Batman. And and what if they did? Maybe Katrina wouldn't have happened the way it happened. So. I thought that was all very intentional, and I loved it. So, Ryder, yes. Uh, Bang 7 sends in a super chat and says, Well, guys, I love you all. I love the film, and that I pre-ordered my first hot toy in over 10 years for the Batman. What a hot toy it is. Did you see that just today they dropped, not only they're going to do the Batmobile, but Hot Toys is also going to do the Bat Cycle. I mean, they'd shown it in the Batman in the ads for the patents and Batman, but now they've actually dropped it. And I think you can pre-order it. I think so. Uh, Jamie Sunday sends in a super chat and says, small nitpick. I wish, I wish Matt had made this film in 70 millimeter IMAX using the one to 43 tall aspect ratio, like the Nolan trilogy, instead of the wide two, three, nine to one wider one. Well, Jamie, I can understand that, but it was his aspect ratio of choice. And to me, a I love a widescreen aspect ratio. It says movies to me, but I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I love the IMAX ratio too, 
But I think in this case, I really thought the widescreen photography worked well for it. So uh, I enjoyed it. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Addison sends in a super chat and says, I love how Batman is in 95% of the film's runtime. Dude, I loved that. I loved it. I love watching Batman. Just like how weird was it when you first saw Batman walk into a room with Gordon with 50 cops in it? Uh, you know, seeing our mayor murdered. I mean, that was crazy because you never see that in these movies. Batman's always hiding in the shadows, but not in this movie. He wanders around. He's in front of people. He interacts with people. I love that. And it was something new. I thought it was really, really cool. So I am with you. D.A. Hampton sends in a super chat and says, was the unmasked Riddler goon who said, I am vengeance, someone in particular? I didn't recognize him as someone we saw earlier in the film. Oh, we did see him earlier in the film. And you saw his face uh, for a minute. And I believe he talks about having a daughter, a family. Um, and yeah, we do see him earlier in the film. So yeah. Uh, the Batman sent in a super chat. Thanks, Bats. Thank you, Bruce. Is 3D available in Dolby Prime theaters or just 2D? That's a good question. I th- I would imagine it would be. The problem is how many theaters are getting uh, uh, 3D movies these days. I still buy home 3D, but I, I think they can probably show 3D. I would imagine they can. It's just a question of is there anything in 3D to show? So hard to say. Um, the Darman says, I really like this movie. The Bat- uh, Batman is the Batman I always wanted to see in the movies, but I didn't love the third act or the last two scenes of the film. Well, I can understand that, but, you know, I I, I really love the third act, and I understand that you might not have liked the last two scenes. You didn't like the scene where Batman and Catwoman part ways? I thought that was a great scene. I really, I really love that. But, you know, like John always says, movies are subjective. Uh, really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed those scenes. I, I mean, I love that scene where they are under the underneath the bridge and they ride away and they're looking at each other in their rearview mirrors. I mean, side mirrors. I, I love that man. I thought it was so good. I quite enjoyed it. Koa seventeen oh eight says, "Did the Batman remove one of the key traits of Batman? Vengeance. I thought this one trait made Batman who he is. I don't know." If you can say that, I think Batman wants justice. Sure, there's an element of vengeance, but, but you know, I, I bring you back to the 1981 James Bond movie for your, for your eyes only, uh, where, where Bond tells Melina Havelock, before seeking revenge, you must first dig two graves. And that's the problem with vengeance. If you're on the path of vengeance, a lot of the time you lose your own soul. And I think that's where Bruce was. He, his soul was being sapped taken away from him by the end of the movie with the rescue of the people of gotham then he he gains his soul he gains his soul back which you know i think i i i really love that i thought that was i thought that was really really um really good i quite i quite enjoyed that i thought that was really poignant and uh i thought it was really sort of beautiful um yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I slipped. Uh, Brendan Milspa sends in a super chat and says, adored the movie, but I'm worried the sequel might abandon the detective aesthetic that kept me engrossed the entire three hours. Also, Farrell needs an Oscar. I definitely think that he probably does need an Oscar, but I would say, Brendan, I wouldn't worry about that because that detective aspect is so vital to this iteration of Batman. And I think we're, 
we're we're going to keep seeing that. I don't think they're going to get rid of it at all. I just I can't see that happening. Uh, Diego Pena, the fourth, so uh, one or two. My brothers and I got into a heated debate over whether the Batmobile stalled out right before the big chase, or he was just revving the engine. <laughs> uh, can you help settle the debate? Did the engine stall and cut off, or was he just trying to intimidate Penguin, dude? I think he was just trying to intimidate Penguin. That Matt, that if he built that car himself, uh, as was insinuated, that that car does stall out. He, it, it's like a, a bull charging. He's sitting there going, you know, to, I don't. That's not a very good bull, but you know what I mean. I, I don't want to blow snot out of my nose, otherwise I'd do what bulls do. But um, that's what he was doing. It was definitely an intimidating tactic. I think that's why I say it. So tell your brothers. I hope I settled that debate. Uh, Black Math eighty eight. Sends in a super chat and says, the way Bruce looked at the kid, both at the crime scene and later in the church, it was a great movie. I thought it was a great movie, too. And you feel that Bruce cares, man. He cares. He cares deeply. Cares deep, deep, deeply. So I am with you 100%. Uh, Koa says, I didn't like how Bruce Wayne was portrayed in this movie. I prefer a billionaire playboy than some hermit with bruises on his face that no one mentions. Well, I can I I totally understand that. But this is what you're watching is the Bruce Wayne persona being forged. And uh you know this is young this is young Batman still trying to figure it all out and doesn't realize what a playboy Bruce Wayne persona could could be how it could be useful. And so but I, I understand it's it's not as fun and it's less of a fantasy when you're watching the reality of what Batman's doing. You know, he's when he's not the billionaire playboy, it's not as fun as we might want it to be so i agree with you but i think it was necessary for this movie hero 75 said one of two uh maybe it was just me but the relationship between batman and catwoman seemed rushed they felt more like friends to me so the kiss was weird Personally, I would have wanted to see their relationship build over time across multiple movies with them getting together at the end. Well, remember, I mean, you know, people who are in 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 very high stress situations tend to build emotional bonds quicker. So it was just a kiss, you know, and I think um, beyond that, I think there were I love that scene when he's holding her when they're hiding. These are two characters that desperately need human interaction, human feeling, human human contact, and they don't have it. And I thought they gave him just enough um, where it worked out. And I, I, for one, I was so there for it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was really, really well done. It really worked for me. Um, Mintran, one of two. I watched Batman on Thursday and Saturday. On Thursday, there was a kid who would not stop screaming. When someone, guessing the manager, talked to the mother, she went full Karen on the person until the mom and child were removed. The whole thing lasted from the start of the movie to the 44 below scene. Oh, my God. You know, I don't understand why people do that. You know, I've always thought that uh, when you walk out into the world, you have to be cognizant of the fact that you're now in a, a world where there's all kinds of other people. And you can't expect the world to bend to your own will. You have to understand there's lots of other folks out there and you need to be mindful of them. And when you buy a ticket and pay to go in to see a movie, the whole point of being there is to watch a film. And if your child is screaming in an enclosed environment, an environment that a lot of other people have paid to be there, 
why is it that your child crying just because it's your child just because the child's crying why does that somehow give that child and give you the right to disrupt the experience that everyone else is having to me that's the height of selfishness and you know that's why there are karens because karens are selfish um so yeah uh terrible terrible i hate it jake vidmar says they're very different from one another but who do you prefer zoe kravitz or anne hathaway you know what i gotta tell you i like the zoe kravitz version i love anne hathaway and i loved her version there's storm coming mr wayne but she was much more refined i mean it lived in a much more rarefied air this cat woman was scrappy she was and remember she's avenging her girlfriend and uh they don't make a big deal of it but i really liked that they 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 um I, I like that aspect, and she was she was very resilient, a girl from the streets, girl on her own. I mean, I even though she knew who, who her father was, I, I loved all that. I thought it was terrific. So I preferred Zoe K, but that doesn't mean I have a Hot Toys figure of Anne Hathaway on the Bat Pod. Man, come on. I loved Anne Hathaway. I thought she was really, really good. Just a whole different vibe, a whole different character. Uh, Min Tran says, after watching Batman, I'm guessing that the Penguin Show on HBO Max will be a no man land storyline where the penguin takes over or attempts to take over. That actually could be a really good idea right afterwards before the national guard comes in and, and Gotham is still flooded. That'd be pretty interesting. Although I think that'd be pretty compact. Maybe they'll start there and show the rise over the course of time. But I like that idea, man. I think it's pretty good. Uh, John Redcorn. Sends in a super chat and says, I hope we finally see the Court of Owls in the sequel. Well, everyone loves the Court of Owls, so I'd love to see that happen. I, I think it'd be really interesting. It'd be an interesting way to build upon what's going on now, although it might be interesting to do something else first and then bring back the Court of Owls because Batman thought he squashed the corruption in Gotham, and then he finds out in the third movie just how deep and how long-standing the Court of Owls and all that has been here in Gotham, and it's horrifying for Batman. I don't know if they'll do that. Nell Guinevere sends in uh, one of three. I live in the UK, but I am from Ukraine, and my whole family is there now. Going into Batman, I thought about that review from that that said, this film is too dark for these dark times. And having seen it now, it is exactly the right film. A hero who knows he might lose, and we all know he probably will um let's see where the rest of you is um yet he still chooses hope and to fight for what's right i felt batman's choice in the end in my bones exceptional film thanks for all you do well nell guinevere uh my hope is that you and your family and your family stay safe and i understand um i understand where you're coming from my ex-wife who I still adore. She's a great lady. Uh, she's also Ukrainian. She was from Kiev. And um, I, I, I think of her now. I haven't talked to her, but I hope she's okay. Um, yeah, but you know, that that's what this movie's all about. What is true heroism? You know, when being a hero, a hero in the face of overwhelming odds, that's where true heroes are forged. So I hope, again, I hope you and your family, your family's okay. Righteous Raub one sends in a super chat and say, asks, what would you say is different about this Batman? Well, I think what's different about this Batman is it's much more personal. It's much more introspective. 
It's much more of a character study of the Batman as opposed to the other movies we get. They're character studies, yes, but not, it doesn't go as deep. It's not as psychological. And I think, again, one of the things I really loved about this film is it kind of, kind of portrays Batman as an alien who's been so consumed by the idea of vengeance that he's got he doesn't even know how to connect with human beings. And through the course of the story, he becomes more grounded. He finally realizes that vengeance is not what is needed, but it is justice. And it sort of brings back his humanity. He's dead inside. Batman is a machine, a, a vengeance machine at the beginning of this movie. And there's very little left of his, his humanity. But by the end of the movie, it's almost as if a, a seed is germinated, a seed, seed that was always there that never entirely left but he's found his humanity again. And I think that's a very different thing than the Batman movies we've already seen. This was truly a character journey for Batman. What's interesting is that we didn't know, like we're not used to seeing that. I mean, some comic books have done that, but this film did a really good job of showing us that sort of inner journey that the Batman uh, is on. And I, I, I loved it. So I say, righteous, I say, righteous Rob, that's what's different about it. I think it's great. Ernesto Rivera Morales sent in a super chat and says, Hey, John and Rob, I've been watching since 2K15. Y'all's consistently is inspiring. Well, that would that's great because, you know, I started streaming with both the great John Schnepp and the great John Campia in April of 2015. This April marks my seventh year on YouTube talking to you, lovely people. I'm pretty proud of that. And I appreciate you saying that our consistency is inspiring. Uh, I love this movie, particularly the metaphor of Batman going from literally saying he is the shadows, his shadow self. Uh, where's Ernesto? Uh, to Batman leading a group of people through dark waters as a source of light. Man, Reeves and Pattinson did it. <clears throat> Ernesto, again, I got to say that you and I park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay because I feel exactly the same way as you do. That's exactly what was going on in this film, and I am there for it, 100%. Uh, I, 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 yes. And I think that's what, what people who uh, are really responding to, they're responding to that journey. You know, in the sense, in, in, in a way, Batman is, I, I say he's an alien at the, in the beginning of this movie because he's so detached from humanity. He might, he might as well be part of the walking dead. And through this experience of dealing with a psychopathic murderer, Batman actually finds his humanity and his humanity that was long dormant or perhaps even burnt out inside of him is reignited by the end of the movie. And I think that's that's really inspiring. And that's what makes uh, this film so special. And I think we're all responding to that. Uh, Hero 75 says, I hope that in any sequel they pull back a bit on the whole detective part. I really loved it, but I want to see Detective Batman take on a more physical threat like Killer Croc or Man Bat. Hero 75, I understand what we're saying. I just, you know, again, we've been talking about this so much this week on the John Campy Show. I don't know if this iteration of the Batman uh, is going to have a place for someone like Killer Croc, uh, a much more fantastical villain, only because this film is so... Um, uh, grounded in the real world, you bring on Killer Croc or Man Bat, then it gets a little, a little wacky. But you never know. It really depends. If they introduce those elements and it it all seems to work, then maybe, uh, maybe they could do that. I just don't know if they if I see that happening. It's not that I don't love Man Bat. I don't. 
I mean, Killer Croc and Man Bat are cool in the right context. I don't know if this film series is the context for that, though. Salinas Productions says, I saw the Batman on Tuesday, and oh my goodness. The direction, the cinematography, the score by Michael Giacchino, which was beautiful and haunting, were fantastic. Can't wait for a sequel. Well, Salinas, as you know, you and I, we park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. I totally agree with you. Meeting of the minds. Uh, you get it. Totally get it. Uh, Javi just sends in a four ninety nine super chat. Javi, thank you for supporting the channel. Much appreciated. Uh, Jonathan Teft says, I love that despite how dark this movie is, it ends on a note filled with hope. I love that the I, I love that direction of making Batman extremely intimidating to criminals, but also a beacon of hope, hope to the people of Gotham. Dude, Jonathan, totally. I totally, I, I, exactly that. I, I think exactly that. And that's why the third act of the movie is so very important to the rest of the story. I mean, it's literally Batman leading people out. And on the uh, at the end, they're on the roof or wherever the hell they are. The helicopters are coming down and the sun is coming up. And Batman is out there for all the people of Gotham to see. And I... I love that. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Frederico Jordan says, this was better than Dark Knight. I was floored by the Batman from the detective aspect to the fear he exudes. The first scene when all you hear are his footsteps in the dark gave me goosebumps, dude. Frederico, I totally agree with you. I thought it was great. But again, uh, to me, it's not which one's better. It's two sides of this, uh, of this uh, two, two ways of examining the same myth and the same batman um or, or they're both pardon me they're both examining from the batman from different perspectives and they're finding different things but i don't know if i like one better than the other because they're different they're different and i like that i think it's cool uh jonathan teft sends in another super chat and says i love that it's not an origin story but still doesn't ignore batman's past 100 i agree with you 100 we get an interesting look at the wayne family legacy and uh, absolutely and I think that's all we can ask for from a movie like this. I, I really do. And I, I'm 100% right there with you. I totally agree. I totally agree. I love the Wayne family legacy stuff. You know, and it doesn't bother me like that the Waynes were not perfect people. That, that Mrs. Wayne might have once been in Arkham. I mean, I love all that. I, you know, I think it's great. Um, and they do. They're very respectful about it. Let's see, where are we at now, Jonathan? <clears throat> Manny Garcia sends in a $20, $20 super chat. Thank you, Manny. Hey, John, I just wanted to say thank you for inviting me and my fiance to the Batman screening on Friday. We had a blast watching the movie and meeting all you guys. You guys are awesome, not just on screen, but in person too. Well, Manny, it's good to have you. I like to think we're awesome. We try. Uh, but you know, one thing I do, I can say that everybody here on the Campia crew we are who we say we are. What you see is what you get. And uh, I think that authenticity is what gives us kind of the camaraderie we have here, both inside and outside the studio. So thank you, Manny, and thanks for coming to the screening. Uh, John Redcorn sends in a super chat, says the Batman was Warner Brothers' first 100 million opening since it, oh, really? Since it in 2017, that far back? Wow, it's been five years. I haven't seen that one, John. Thanks for that. That's, wow. That is, that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. Samir sends in a super chat and says, the best Batman, Catwoman, Gordon, Penguin, Falcone, Riddler, and most of all, Gotham in a live action movie. I've seen it three times. Can't wait to watch it on repeat on HBO Max. Well done, Matt Reeves. Well, Samir, uh, 
I, you know what, you know what I have to say? What I really liked about it is it all felt like one unique place. Whereas in the Nolan movies, like between going to Chicago a lot and Batman or in the dark Knight, and then going to like other places besides Chicago and Chicago too, and the dark Knight rises, I really felt like that this Gotham was not an amalgamation of other places, but a real place. And I agree with you. The characters were damn, damn good. Damn good. Uh, Entertainer. Entertainer Studios sends in a super chat and says, I saw this movie twice and it keeps getting better every time. Can't wait to see these characters again. What a masterpiece and happy that it had a solid opening weekend. Well, Entertainer, I agree with you. Um. You know what? It just it 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 really it aimed high, and it it showed you what you can do when you aim high. And I'm I'm a person that believes in always trying to aim high. You know, try and elevate whatever it is you're doing. Don't let good be good, good enough. Excuse me. Try and keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. If you're a Casey Kasem fan, but that would prove you're as old as I am. So perhaps you don't want to know what that is. But I agree with you, uh, Christopher Brickner, one of two says, I was reading the Batman plot on Wikipedia when I came to Robin being in the film. I looked at the cast and saw Chris O'Donnell was cast as Robin. Then I realized I was reading the plot of Batman Forever, which explains why the plot differed so drastically from the trailers. (laughs) Well, Christopher, there's a good reason for that, and you were reading about the wrong movie. Aren't you happy that it wasn't like that? Although, to be fair... Uh, I like Batman Forever, kind of, and I love Val Kilmer as Batman, and I like Chris O'Donnell as Robin. Those hot toys are supposed to come out next month. Ooh, can't wait. Horror Sci-Fi and Beyond sent in a four ninety nine super chat. Well, thank you, Horror Sci-Fi and Beyond, for that support of the channel. Appreciate it. D.A. Hampton sends in a four ninety nine super chat and says, Do you think the next villain will be Joker, Penguin, or someone else? I'm there no matter what, but I hope it'll be someone we haven't seen before. I agree. I'd, I'd like to see um, somebody we haven't seen before. I mean, I don't know who that is or what they're what they're going to do, but I would like to I'd like to uh, see that the realism of Gotham and uh, where they're going with this. I want to see that realism maintained and uh, moving forward. I think it'd be really uh, really important to do that. I don't know who it's going to be though. Poker Craig. Sends in a super chat and says it won't make $350 million domestically. Uh, probably not, but that's okay. I mean, it is opening in China. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's a three-hour movie. It's it's a difficult film. It's not for everybody. It's not a four-quadrant movie, so I don't think it has to make $350 million domestically, but it'll probably do well around the world. I don't know where it's at right now. It'd be interesting to see. I'd have to look and see where is the Batman now as we go into its second weekend tonight and tomorrow um it'll be interesting to see how it holds up week two carl thomas sends in a 9.99 super chat well carl thank you for supporting the channel i appreciate it yeah sends in a super chat and says you can only choose one batman or no way you can only choose one batman or no way home which i'll take the batman not that i don't love no way home but I like this unique vision and we'll get another Spider-Man movie. Who knows? We might not ever get another movie like the Batman. So I will take this. I'll take this Batman. I really liked it. Really liked it. Uh, the Lord Bizois sends in a $20 super chat. Well, thank you, Lord Bizois. I love that. Who is, what is Lord Bizois? Is your last name Bizois? 
What does Bizois mean? Is that an anime character or a game character that I don't know? Either way, I'm there for it. The Lord Bizois says, I loved the misdirect of Riddler knowing Bruce is Batman. The way Pattinson played it like he was naked and exposed is proof of his acting chops. I've seen it twice, and I love this take on the Batman so much. Second favorite Batman. Um, I love the misdirect of Riddler knowing Bruce is Batman. Does he know? I think there's an argument to be made that Riddler does not necessarily know the Batman is Bruce. I mean, maybe it's obvious that he does, but I've heard people give me convincing arguments that, um, I mean, he does say the Batman and, and Pattinson looks over the cameras, but then as he goes on, maybe not. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it is a great misdirect. I love that misdirect. I think that's maybe what you're saying. That they make you think that Riddler knows that Bruce is Batman and Bruce looks over the cameras, but then it becomes apparent that he really doesn't know that the Batman is Bruce. That's the way I read it. I think that's what you're saying, too, by the way. Uh, Stalfos sends in a super chat, says, John Pattinson made a surprise appearance on Friday at the Burbank AMC 16 Dolby at 8 p.m. It was a great surprise. Guess he was contractually obligated. Yeah, he might have been. But you know what? Even though he was contractually obligated, he still showed up. I think it's pretty cool. That means he came to L.A. They could have sent him to New York. It's cool that he was in L.A. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, but even if he was contractually obligated, were you there? How cool is that? I thought it was pretty neat. I think he showed up the Chinese, too, uh, at a screening that they were doing as well. Uh, Joe Fant sends in a super chat and says, The Batman equals Kurt Cobain versus the Zodiac Killer. I, I agree. I love that. You know, um, uh, our friend over at The Real Rejects, uh, Mr. Alba, I, he said something very similar to that, and I totally agree with him. And uh, I quoted him. I believe I quoted him on this show, and that's exactly right. Uh, uh, Vlasta uh, Mesinik sends in a super chat, says that Batman score had some Imperial March vibes. Yes, indeed. People have said that. I totally love that, and uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, is it Potato and not Potato? Potato Alliance? Uh, Alliance says the mayor's wife and son possibly had the worst week. First, the father died. Then a car burst, burst through in his funeral. And finally, the city flooded at the mayoral wind party where they were present. A bad week for the mayor, the ex-mayor, the dead mayor, and his son. I like that you point that out. That's um, You know what? I don't want to laugh at others' misfortune, but the way you're pointing it out... It is uh, amusing and ironic. Uh, Gabriel uh, Bretto uh, says, I was at the fan screening Tuesday in New York City, 5 p.m. showing, and the cast came out and surprised us. Epic movie. I love that. So they made their way west, starting in New York. I love that. That's so cool, Gabriel, and that you were there. Uh, fantastic. Fan- uh, doesn't it great when that happens? I mean, don't you sit there and go, how lucky am I? It's always a good thing. Mark five Carter sends in a super chat says, I saw the Batman twice this weekend and absolutely loved it. Do you think the serum he injects himself with was venom? Well, could be, I mean, look, I look at it as maybe adrenaline and they just made it green. So it would light up, but they're not stupid. Maybe it was because it, it seemed to work pretty quickly. I mean, I don't know if it was the exact venom serum that Bane uses, but it could have been could have been a derivation of it. 
I mean, clearly they were alluding to it because it could have been any color, and they made it that color. And uh, I liked it, though. Uh, But they didn't say what it was, so it could be. So I would say it could go either way. I'd like to kind of believe it was some kind of prototype of it or something different. Maybe, you know, if it's Bane or somebody else, we find out later that whatever he was using, maybe some doctor made that and then Bane used a distillation of it or something. Childish Crusade sent in a... 1999 Super Chat. Well, thank you for that. I was pretty bummed after my first viewing because of how many things they showed in the promo material. The end of the Penguin Chase, the capture of the Riddler, and the bombing scene all lack suspense for me because of it. You know what, uh, Childish Crusade? That is um, a good point. You know, I mean, unfortunately, they give away too many things in trailers these days, and I, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that, but they do. And um, it's kind of a bummer, and uh, I don't like it. Do not like it. So I'm sorry that uh, it was less suspenseful for you. I hate when that happens. I felt um, that happens. And I hate when that happens. I don't like it. When it does happen, I feel it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I agree with you. Uh, Luis Enrique de la Pena sends in a super chat and says, I felt the film was a murder thriller with Batman elements rather than the other way around. It was a bit too long with some pacing issues, and it dragged for moments. You could have made the movie without Catwoman a solid 8 out of 10. Well, Louis, I, uh, or Louis, I agree with you, or Luis, uh, I agree with you to a certain extent, but then it wouldn't have been the movie that it was. And I think that, I honestly, I don't think it could have been the same movie without the Catwoman. I thought the Catwoman brought much-needed heart to the film and the connection. Batman needed, he already had a connection with Alfred as a as a sort of a father figure, a patriarchal figure in his life. He needed some kind of, he needed to be held. I know it seems silly, but that's what the Catwoman, uh, and and also she, her, her, her vengeance also, Batman had to prevent her from going down the road that he'd gone down. So I think her, her involvement was quite, um, quite necessary for the film. I really do. Uh, Christopher Baker said, I thought the scandal was anticlimactic because it wasn't a scandal. It was trauma. I felt something more scandalous needed to happen for his his dad to have a journalist killed. Well, remember, his dad didn't want the journalist killed. His dad just wanted uh, Falcone to to do something. So the the news of Martha Wayne's um, time in an asylum or time uh, getting uh, straightened out was not was not there i mean you know it 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 was embarrassing more than it was a scandal and people in power can't uh can't afford to be embarrassed in that way i can understand where you're coming from but um remember i don't think thomas wayne meant for falcone to kill the journalist but thomas wayne also knew it was a possibility so but i agree with you i mean look not everyone's perfect, and they always portray Thomas and Martha Wayne as being squeaky clean, but now we've seen two movies, The Joker being one, or just Joker being one, and now this, where the Waynes weren't as squeaky clean as they're supposed to be, or that they've been portrayed as in the past, and I think that just adds to what the movie's about, and I think it's, um, I, I really like that about it, to be honest. Hayden Wilson sends in a super chat and says, my grandmother has taken me to see every Batman movie, since I was a kid, and Friday I took her this time, and she and I loved it. We had so much fun. Hayden, how cool is that? I mean, I can't imagine taking my own grandmother. If I took my grandmother to this movie, she would have had a heart attack. 
So kudos to you and your grandmother for doing that. You give her my best and you tell her she's a great grandmother. You tell her Rob Burnett said so. Uh, Jose Garcia sends in a super chat, says Riddler, make sure you like and subscribe was funny. Yeah, I mean, look, that was clearly, th- this movie does have some humor. And for Riddler to, 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 I mean, even Riddler needs subscribers and likes, don't we all? And Super Chats, I love that too. I thought that was great. And for us, you know, the whole campy crew sitting in that movie watching it and watching the Riddler do this, it's like, well, that hits a bit close to home, doesn't it now? Uh, Jake sends in a Super Chat and says, I've been looking forward to this spoiler talk about as much as the actual movie. Laugh out loud. Love you guys. Well, Jake, we love you too. I hope that uh, I'm giving John an able assist here and you're liking my answers on this spoiler chat. D.A. Hampton sends in a super chat and says, the third act worked for me for this story. I understand why some don't like it, though. Not much. The point was is that he had to win Gotham, not punch the bad guy. D.A., again, you and I, we park our shuttlecrafts in the same shuttle bay. Totally agree with you. It worked for this story uh and i thought it worked really really well really did i thought it spoke to the screenplay and i thought the screenplay was a great screenplay and uh yeah i i completely agree with you uh philly g sends in a 20 dollars super chat this is now my favorite batman movie after watching it three times the batmobile intro is incredible and depending on how many films they do I hope they don't make the Joker the main antagonist or until at least the third movie. I agree with you. They got to work up to that. I mean, who knows where they're going to go with it. I, I hope that, you know, we don't just bring back the Joker yet again. But if they do, I hope they do something unique with the Joker. I don't, you know, I don't want to see a replay of uh, what we've already seen. I hope we don't just get that. I mean, they Heath Ledger's Joker, you can't outdo that. I thought Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was sufficiently different from Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, you know, and if they're going to do Joker again, I hope he's a different kind of a Joker. We'll we'll uh, we'll see. But I agree with you. Senior Film, Senior Film says, "You don't care about your family's legacy. What I'm doing is my family's legacy." My favorite line in the movie gave me chills. I totally agree. Loved it, and that's the whole film in a nutshell right there. I love that you love that. It's absolutely, um, absolutely true. I believe I, I, it, it's so great. Uh, Eric Nibla says, best introduction to the Batman ever. He is the shadows. I totally agree. I love that you said that. He is the shadows. Absolutely, 100% correct. He is the shadows. Uh, Gerardo Neverez Merillion Mer- Mer- sends in a super chat and says, Batman comic newbie here. How can fear now become a symbol of hope? Well, that's what happens because once people fear something and then it comes out into the light and you can see what it is and you realize that what you have feared, even though it looks scary, can lead you to salvation and then it becomes hope. Um, so I think that's that's what's going on there. But a good question. Uh, Joseph Curtis sends in a super chat and says, the realization that Bruce has when it comes to his impact on the city is breathtaking. The sequence with Riddler and him is just pure perfection. Agree? Joseph, I, I agree. Um, I, I, think it, I, I think that's the crux, the center, the core of that movie. 
you know, and I think that uh, the way it's set up, I thought it was beautifully done, beautifully handled, and I loved it. It resonates. You know, it has meaning, especially in the times that we are living in. Uh, Kevin Joyce sends in a super chat and says, the finale taking place in a glassy new age setting seemed a bit odds aesthetically with the gothic dark first two acts. It also felt having the Riddler physically present there would have coalesced those narrative threads a bit more satisfactorily. I also feel that the seed of the seawall as a potential threat should have been planted earlier. Overall, though, a great film. Kevin, I agree with both counts. I think the points you rise arise rises the points you make are very good the idea of the seawall didn't even know that was that was a thing until the end they should have set that up earlier i'll bet they did in a longer cut of the movie um they should have set that up as a potential threat and just just mentioned it or done something where you even knew there was a seawall i agree with you and the finale taking but but then again if they telegraphed it too much maybe they did in an earlier cut of the movie they're like ah we're giving away we're giving up the ghost too quickly and they had to make that change um i didn't mind the finale taking place in a brand new building because that was kind of the point it was it was sort of something new uh you know like a new stadium like los angeles has its new stadium sofi stadium so it made sense that that's where the inaugural address was happening uh but of course it got sufficiently wrecked so by the end of the movie that new place is just like the rest of gotham broken down and decrepit and now full of mold because of all that water. So, but I don't disagree with you. I think that's actually a really good point. King E sends in a super chat and says, I think Joaquin's Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker fits this universe. Do you think they should cross over? I think you're right. It fits the universe. And no, I don't think they should cross over. I don't want to see that happen. I know that that, that idea is there. I mean, I'll tell you something. If if there was never another Bat, Matt, uh, Matt Reeves Batman movie and this was the only one, I would say they make two great bookends to one another and you could potentially and we could forever speculate that they they're two sides of 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 of, of the same coin, but I hope that they never cross over because they're so pure unto themselves and look, we're so used to the Joker and the Batman being together. I like the fact that they're apart at least in this film. Uh Ira Benson Says, hey, Campia, where is he? Uh, first time writing in after three years watching. Well, I hope you're not bummed out. First of all, very nice of you uh, writing in, and thank you for supporting the channel. Ira, this film was the first one in a long time that gave me goosebumps, wanting more stories of vengeance and the stories behind this Arkham City. Well, I'll tell you, uh, if that's the case, Ira, that's the movie did its job because you want you want more um like kirsten dunce said in interview with a vampire i want more um that's good i mean isn't that great though when you see a movie and it, it, it just it gives you that deliciousness that you didn't even know you were looking for but you finally get it i love that i love that uh and i too like you want more stories of this arkham city the gary mana sends in a super chat and says the reveal that riddler used that carpet thing as the murder weapon specifically for batman to find his map under the carpet was fantastic i agree uh you know no one really knew what that was unless you were a carpet layer i love the idea that you know it took some rando cop not a random cop but a cop we'd seen before going yeah that's used to uh to uh lay carpet 
to like push it under whatever he, he says. And no one had realized that. And some, some people might say that Batman just shouldn't he have known what that was. And I'm like, I didn't know what that was. And I've seen all kinds of murder weapons. Not that I'm as smart as Batman, mind you, but I'd never seen something like that before. I didn't know people use that. Um, so there you go, which I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Levi R sends in a super chat and says, I know that people said it was too dark. I wanted it to be darker. You mean with less light or thematically darker? <laughs> I know a PG-13 is fine, but I would have loved it to be R overall. I like this movie a lot. Colin Farrell was the best part of me. I got to tell you, they could have shown more blood and more actual bloodletting violence, but this film felt R-rated. I don't know how much more darker it could have gotten. I mean, unless you added more you know, unsavory elements of sexual violence or just hideously uh, more more physical violence. But I don't know if that would have served the movie better. Like, I have to tell you, there's a there's a, a Gaspar Noe movie that I, I actually own it. I can't watch it all the way through called Irreversible. And uh, I can't take it. It's too much for me. And I can take anything except that movie because it goes too dark. But um, I'm glad you dug it. And... Uh, uh, I think Colin Farrell was was great. Uh, Charlie Zakari sends in a super chat and says Bruce is finding duality. <laughs> Bruce is finding duality in this trilogy. Well, we'll see if it's going to be a trilogy, but I like I like your I like your sentiment there, and that's kind of fun. He's finding his own duality because yes, he is so only the Batman in this movie. His Bruce Wayne, he hasn't perfected that persona yet. Clearly. And uh, he will find his duality in the trilogy. I think that'll be the underlying point of all three movies, which I like. Mickey Bell says, it's incredible that after so many iterations of Batman, they can give us something fresh. Batman was terrifying. Riddler was horrifying. I loved it. Mickey Bell, you were not wrong. And look, that is, let's face it, how it's, it's really hard when you're dealing with these long-established characters, whether it's Batman, whether it's Spider-Man, whether it's James Bond. How do you do something with these long-living franchise or long-lasting franchise characters that are different from what we've seen before? How do you continually reinvent these characters? I mean, remember, Burton's Batman movie came out 33 years ago. And there's still, I mean, how many Batman movies have we got since then? You've got Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Then you've got Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Then you've got uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. You got a little Suicide Squad. You've got Zack Snyder's Justice League. And now this, that's a lot of Batman movies. Now, how do you make one different from the other or different from the ones that have come before? That's a tough call, man. And you're right, Mickey. Matt Reeves was the man as a co-writer and a director to give that to us. BJ347. Sends in a super chat and says, when Batman was racing home, thinking Alfred was about to be killed, had me feeling afraid and sad for Bruce and the Batman. I know that was the only thing that I, I thought was a little strange. I didn't like I know they're doing a fake out that it had already happened when Batman realizes this and they had to do this to us. Uh, I get it. But I kind of thought that was a weird device to use at that moment in the film, because the way they were playing it, they were juxtaposing it. And then you find out No, it really happened an hour ago. Yeah, that was one thing I, I it stuck out. I'm like, it's not that I hated it. I just don't know if that was the right choice. But hey, it worked. That might have been something they came up with an editorial too. I don't know if it was scripted. Could very could very well be. But I was afraid and sad for the Batman too. Once you see him, once the bomb goes off, man, and you think Andy Circus is dead, and then you see him in the hospital. It's hardcore. Uh, 
Hardcore. Uh, CGM show sends in a super chat and says, this might be controversial, but I think you could have cut the Catwoman parts out of the movie. Don't get me wrong. I loved her scenes, but I'm not sure they were actually necessary to the movie. CGM respectfully. I completely disagree. It was the Catwoman that was anchoring him to humanity and, and he needed her and he needed that connection. Otherwise the movie would have just, I, I don't, I thought it would, I think it would have been unbalanced. If you didn't have, because remember, she was also looking for vengeance and he stopped her from that. And I think that that whole storyline informed a part of Batman's soul and Bruce's well, soon to be soul when Bruce is fully formed. I think you absolutely had to have the Catwoman in the movie. I really do. I think it was really important to have her there uh, because Bruce needed that grounding. Devoured by Bunny sends in a super chat and says, I was surprised to see at the beautiful and optimistic end, seeing Batman realize hope is what he can represent rather than vengeance was moving. I totally agree. And, you know, it's the question that is asked at the beginning of the movie that Bruce is asking, pardon me, it's not Bruce, that Batman is asking himself, you know, I, I am vengeance and I am not, I'm not succeeding in my goals. Crime is up, man. He's not, he's not doing it. He's not getting it right and by the end i mean he realizes that vengeance is not what this city needs it's truly justice and 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 when he stops catwoman from killing falcone you know and he says to her he says look if you do this if you take your vengeance you're gonna lose your soul and and the whole movie that's another reason catwoman had to be there because batman had to stop her from killing falcone that was part of the whole process of Batman realizing what was needed was justice and not vengeance. Very important. Very important. So devoured by bunny. Yes. Agreed. Uh, Bailey Wheatland says, could we see more off the wall villains like clay, Clayface, killer croc, etc., in this universe? And if so, how do you think they would pull that off in this universe? Well, we talked about that a lot. Like I know that, especially if you love Batman, the animated series, all of the more fantastical villains are stuff that we all look. I, I love those villains, love seeing those villains. But in this universe, I'm not convinced they could work. Just not convinced. Um, that doesn't mean they can't work, but I don't see how it would take a deft touch. And Matt Reeves, if he's working with another screenwriter, I just think that once you bring in supernatural elements to this universe, that they that they've established it becomes unbalanced so i'm hoping that it will all work out and they bring us a villain that's more grounded but maybe they'll slowly like they are like look the mcu is doing a very interesting thing they layer in these extra added elements they build and they build and they caress these things in and make it work i don't know if matt reeves can do that in three movies and then by the time you get to a third movie in the trilogy that you could work up to a much more supernatural threat i don't know if that's possible but maybe they could and i don't know who i would i honestly don't know um who who i'd want to see i because i i i prefer the grounded villains myself so i don't know who it would be i don't i just i don't know if killer croc would 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 work uh although it'd be interesting if it did work i that would be pretty interesting. I, I don't know how they would do it. <laughs> Devoured by Bunny 
sends in a super chat and says Gotham felt like an actual character suffering from corruption. Also got hints of Robocop slow walk and Mad Max boots. That Batmobile is my favorite. Totally agree with you. I think their hints, I think Matt Reeves is drawing from a number of different movies, Robocop slow walk and Mad Max boots. Totally. And uh, I think that there was an element of both. There's definitely an element of Robocop in Pattinson's portrayal of Batman. And certainly I mean, there's more than little Mad Max. That Batmobile is is very close to Mad Max's V8 Interceptor. And I am sure that when Matt Reeves was talking to his production designer, they had a conversation about the last of the V8 Interceptors. You know it. I know it. We astute movie viewers know it, too. I think you're absolutely right about that. Angus Ferguson says, what would you like MCU movies to learn from the Batman and vice versa? Thanks, Sean. Angus, nothing. I, I don't want to see the I love the MCU movies and I love how they lean heavily into their comic book source material. I think the MCU movies have done the impossible. They've struck a balance between the fantastical and the real. Now they're moving into the supernatural realm, the cosmic realm, and they've done all of it and it works somehow together. I think uh, Infinity War and Endgame prove that the MCU does an incredible job of orchestrating all of these things together. Now, I think that when they bring the supernatural in, whether it's the cursed blade we saw at the end of Eternals, whether it's perhaps Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night, or whether it's, although I have a feeling that's a fantasy, or whether it's how they're going to bring in Blade and vampires. We've seen Agatha Harkness as well. Um, I could see the MCU going that way a little bit, but it'll... That kind of darkness doesn't belong in the MCU. So I think, I don't know if they have a, a, a much to learn from one another because the MCU is really successful. Um, and I, I don't know if we'd want this kind of darkness in the MCU. I think it'd have to be different. Uh, Devoured by Bunny goes on to say, I agree, R-rated does not equal a good story, but it would have been nice to see subtle blood pools with Riddler's first victim to emphasize his violent methods. Well, Devoured by Bunny, here's the thing. While they didn't quite get that in England, here in America, I believe the movie, they're obligated to deliver a PG-13 because of uh, Batman, because of merchandising and licensees and all that kind of thing. It's like when Nolan shows Joker guns somebody down at the beginning of The Dark Knight, you don't see the blood squibs. So I can, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Would I want more, would I want more blood and hard-hitting violence? I mean, you never see like a face being pummeled by Batman, it's always off screen. You see him pounding down, but you don't see him beating someone's face to a pulp. Uh, and that's by design. So as much as you and I might like to see that kind of blood and gore, I just don't think they can in a Batman movie. Um, Sick was uh, uh, Slick Wes or Slick Wes says, I love the way Matt Reeves captured thugs being terrified of the Batman. Just seeing the signal and seeing dark alleys praying, Batman isn't waiting in it. Totally agree. I loved at the beginning. The bat signal is working. The, 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 the criminals feared Batman. On the streets of Gotham, Batman was a fearsome, fearsome, fearsome force. And for two years had been terrorizing the Gotham underworld. And that when that light came on, Everyone got scared. I love that. I thought it was great. I love that part of that. I love that part of the movie. David Cubbage sends in a super chat. Amazing movie. 
Did you catch the William Shakespeare bust in Bruce's study just prior to Alfred opening the letter bomb? Holy Batman 66 Easter egg. David, yes, I did. And not many people mentioned that. Good on you, sir. How cool is that? For those of you who uh, don't know, in the 66 Batman series, the bust of Shakespeare would open up and you'd hit the button and it would open up the, the where the poles are, where they slide into the Batcave. I love that. And who knows? Maybe it works. <laughs> I thought that was great. Assistant Professor X. Does that mean you're only you you haven't worked up to being a full mutant yet? You're only a partway partway mutant. Uh, I feel an opportunity was missed, where the reason Riddler was an orphan was because the reporter killed was Riddler's father. Motivation expanded. Um, you know what? Uh, maybe, but I think that would have been just too coincidental. Um, I like the fact that. And I, I don't know if he would have actually been in an orphanage if he was a if he was a reporter's son. Where's the mother? Where's the aunt? Where's the uncle? I mean, as far as we know, Riddler was just left on some doorstep or in a church somewhere and wound up in an orphanage. If they gave him more of a family, don't know if that would have played as well. Uh, Hamza Miran says, "I watched it twice. I loved it." I hated the mayor character and was a massive uh, and there was a massive lack of Alfred in my opinion, too much building relationship with Catwoman. Well, look, as I said before in this chat, I really thought the relationship he had with Catwoman was part of the beating heart of this film. I think we all would have liked to have seen more Alfred, and I'm willing to bet in a longer version of this movie there was a lot of Alfred, a lot more of Alfred, but I thought Alfred's scenes were pivotal and Andy Circus crushed it. So while I would have liked to have seen more Alfred, I think they used Alfred judiciously, and I think it worked. I thought it was very effective. Uh, Jose Garcia says, I would love to have seen the fallout of Gotham sinking. Well, yeah, maybe the next movie, but yeah. That, but then again, like we're so far. I love the fact that the movie was left with Gotham a mess, you know, and, and there's a lot more work to do. So while we did get a little bit of a cliffhanger inside Arkham Asylum, I really did like the fact that uh, Gotham was Gotham was hurt. Gotham was damaged. Uh, Lord Genome 76 says, to me, that Joker scene actually felt like something from the Gotham TV show, very off-putting. Barry's a good actor, but they could have wrote this better. You know, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of people say that. And while, look, was it necessary? Probably not. But I didn't mind it because, you know, the idea the idea of villains teaming up, I thought that, that that idea that what you need is a friend, that concentrated criminality could team up and it becomes exponentially more dangerous. And I wasn't necessarily convinced. I know they talk about clowns and all that, but it could have been Two-Face. Um, I know Harvey Dent is supposed to be Two-Face, but... And it, I'm sure it was a joker, but still, I like that idea that they would team up because that could be truly terrifying, truly terrifying. Um, and I didn't mind the writing. I thought the writing was fine. Maybe the performance. I think they threw it in there for fun. Um, it didn't detract from me, but I know a lot of people didn't like it, and I completely get why. Um, Daniel Lagerstedt sends in a super chat and says one of two. Don't you find it a bit strange that he has this extreme high-tech lens on his eye, but every other tech is a bit old? 
like the glider suit or his grappling gun he has to manually retract on his arm um like a crossbow from assassin's creed would think when you have infinite money you would use it all to your advantage when creating and using all your gear well i think the insinuation is that he builds he builds it himself that he's not like he's not like uh uh using some military contractor and he's building things that he knows how to use and i don't think his flight suit was necessarily old i mean those wingsuits are are pretty recent and remember gotham is kind of a city out of time but um uh i didn't mind that because the insinuation again is that he builds his own equipment and he builds the equipment he knows how to use and which works for him so I, I like that. I like the sort of analog nature of it all. Uh, Andy sends in a super chat and says, Bruce, it's not a bat. In my city, it means hope. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, Andy. <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, I love that. <laughs> it means hope. JC sends in a super chat and says, if you had to choose how a superhero movie is shot and made, would you choose a movie like the Batman or more like Spider-Man? Well, here's the thing, JC. Superhero movies run the gamut. I mean, I would not want a Superman movie shot like the Batman, and I certainly wouldn't want a Spider-Man movie shot like the Batman. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a Blade movie shot like the Batman, but I think that the way movies are shot have to fit their subject matter. You know, I love the fact that Eternals, a lot of it was shot outdoors and in natural light where you see the sun and not a lot of green screen. I think it really, the way a movie is shot is dependent on the subject matter. And I think that every superhero, just the way every cop thriller, every lawyer movie, every every show about doctors, they're all different. And movies should be shot the way that the subject matter demands they be shot. Like if you shot the Batman, like Spider-Man, No Way Home is shot, or even Raimi's Spider-Man 2, it would have felt really weird unless you tailored the Batman material to live in this this kind of a world. So it's it it it's it's a hard I think everything needs to be shot that best serves the material and the story itself. Uh Jackside, or is it JX? Jackside. Matt Reeves stated he was interested in Mr. Freeze. I wonder if Mr. Freeze's wife or da- dies or becomes unfrozen because of the flooding power outage at the end of the movie. Now he wants revenge on the city. Ooh, I like that idea. Could very well be. But I think, you know, the idea of Mr. Freeze, um, it has to have something it, it, it's intrinsic to him. He, he's using the power of freezing in some way, shape, or form that informs his quest or his villainy or something. However, that's going to work. I don't quite know, but um, yeah, I think they can, I, I think it, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. And to follow up on that, Adam W says, I don't know how Mr. Freeze would work, but I have total faith after seeing this, that Reeves could pull it off. I agree. And Reeves, Matt Reeves has said that he has a way to bring back Mr. Freeze in some way, shape, or form, uh, that he could make him work in this universe. I'd be very curious to see what that is and how it works, because I think it's an awesome idea. I'd love to see that. Carol X says, I can't believe the policeman did not remove his mask when he was unconscious while taking him to the police department. I would. Batman should have some kind of lock in there for these situations. Maybe he did. I got to tell you, I'm sure there was something edited out 
that bothered me a bit, to be honest, unless maybe his cowl is locked from the back or something. I don't know. Um, But remember, they've known Batman for two years. And and I also could believe that it's not like who is the Batman. They're not even thinking along those lines because he's interacting with them all the time. He's not hiding in the shadows. Who is this mysterious Batman? I mean, as far as they are concerned, they wouldn't know who he was anyway. He's just some random dude that's not hiding. I mean, I'm sure if they took his mask off, oh, my God, you're Bruce Wayne. That's amazing. Um, But they don't – he's not like any other Batman where, yeah, he's wearing a mask, but I don't think that getting – unmasking him because the question is, who is the Batman? I mean, even the Riddler's not saying – Get this to the Batman. It says for the Batman. Everyone knows that Batman is out there interacting with the police. So he's not necessarily the mysterious figure of, oh, my God, we must unmask him. As far as the cops are concerned, like he's just kind of a freak. And they're not really I don't think anybody really cares who he is because he's not in the shadows. I mean, he is in the shadows, but he's not. They all know him. And for two years, they've been interacting with him. He's going to crime scenes. I mean, but I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Rob McDonald says, John, great point about Batman not helping people until the end. By being vengeance, he is not only ins- he's not only inspired fear in criminals, but also the citizens of Gotham. Absolutely agree. You know, it isn't until because he's, he doesn't have time. He, he, he helps the citizens of Gotham by making sure the criminal element is taken care of. It's not his job. He, he doesn't he doesn't get cats out of trees for little girls like Superman might. So that's not what he does. And so I think John's point was absolutely correct. Vengeance is not helpful. Um, So I'm right there with you. Uh, Zach Taylor sends in a super chat and says, can't compare Robert Pattinson to any other Batman Bruce Wayne yet, but he is the best Batman. Until I see him more as Bruce, then I could change my mind. Uh, Zach, totally fair. I think we're seeing the beginning of Bruce was a cipher. Bruce is an empty shell, essentially. We're seeing the beginnings of of Bruce Wayne coming back as a human being, I think, in this movie. By the end of the film, there's hope. Hope there. So we'll see where he goes. Uh, Shamrock sends in a super chat and says, The first 10 or 15 minutes blew my mind. The theme is unmatched, in my opinion, and the narration was peak Batman. 9.5 out of 10. The end dragged a bit for me. Look, Shamrock. I love the whole beginning of the movie. I thought it was terrific. I, I liked the whole thing. It didn't. None of it really dragged for me because I was, I was really immersed in the mood of it all. But I, I can see how you felt that way. Um, you know, things, things were. It's, it's paced. What I loved about the film was it was kind of paced the same throughout. It was designed, and when, when an action scene would kick in, it was ferocious. That scene down the hall, which was almost like a strobe light, where the only light was the guns going off and Batman fighting. That was incredible. Greg Frazier's cinematography, incredible. I loved it. I thought that, um, and the editing worked for the film. I mean, this movie was very much a, a vision, and the vision was so strongly realized, and that's what I loved about it. I love the vision of it all. Um, but I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Elvis Castillo says, John, I think we need in this universe the Mad Hatter and the Scarecrow as villains. Again, those, those guys could work. Um, we shall see 
it'll be interesting to see which I, I'm I'm as curious as to which villains they're going to use in whatever iteration they they come up with than anything else, just to see what they're going to do. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how all of that is going to work. And I don't know how it's all going to work, but how they're going to use which villain and how they introduce the villains and what they're going to do, what the plot's going to be. Can't wait. Caden sends in a super chat and says, holy shit, what a movie. Robert is Bruce Batman. Reeves is a genius. A very strong 9.5 out of 10 for me. I abs- It absolutely gives The Dark Knight a run. And I love The Dark Knight. You know, Caden, I think it's it's a different kind of a movie. It's just a different kind of a movie. It's looking to do different things. Different explorations of Bruce Wayne and Batman. I mean, I think that the Batman is much more psychological, much more, much more insular, and and the Dark Knight is very much externalized, and they're very di- that's very different approaches to the Batman, but both very valid in their own right. So, I'm with you, uh, Guillaume Guillaume Labelle, uh says loved it. I do like a more fantastical approach like Batfleck, but Battinson's world screams verisimilitude. Amen. Amen. You know I love that word. Uh, I love that about this. I mean, you can you can go fantastical with the Batman, of course, and like you can go really fantastical like Batman and Robin or the Batmobile in Batman Forever doesn't it drive up the side of a building. No, this was doing something. This is very much Batman set in the real world. I was so there for it. I loved it. I mean, even the fact that the Dark Knight is is a rainbow color fest compared to the darkness of this movie. And, um, you know, I think both have their place. I can understand that. Uh, a more fantastical approach like Batman, the animated series, fantastical noir, that could work too. I could see that happening in a different kind of a movie with a different filmmaker taking a different approach. But... I totally agree with you. I I, uh, um, I thought that uh, verisimilitude. You you go on to say Riddler might be one of the creepiest comic book movie villains to date. Yeah, and and not only that, he's he's very recognizable. We we live in a world where those kinds of people, like the Riddlers of the world, they exist and they're going out and they're shooting shooting people up and they are organizing their followers and online and radicalizing people. And it, the Riddler, I think, is one of also the most plausible villains we've seen in a Batman movie, and that made him even more terrifying. Even more terrifying. Uh, Future Boy says, you can only keep one and burn the other. <laughs> uh, the Batman or Captain America Winter Soldier? This is going to be sacrilegious, but I'm going to say I'm going to burn the Batman. Because if there's only one Captain America movie, it has to be Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I got to keep the Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And by the way, you know, there's something poetic. If the Batman got burned and you keep Captain America, something poetic in there. But since you're asking me, now don't come back at me later and go, Rob Burnett, one day I remember, I remember... On that Batman spoiler discussion, you said, don't hold me to it. I might change my mind tomorrow. But since you're asking, I've read a lot of Batman in my life. Actually, there's a lot of Captain America, too. But there's been less Captain America solo movies than there have been Batman solo movies. So by that alone, and this is one of the best. So I got to keep Captain America Winter Soldier. I know, but I know you asked, future boy. And uh, 
Gotta, I gotta take it. Uh, Christian Kikogod. A tis, uh, uh, Tanasov. Tanasov. A Tanasov. Christian Kikogod Atanasov. That's a cool name. Hey, JC or RMB. Don't you think we now have a bit too many one-off Batman movies that just wither in the air, not connected to anything competing only to themselves, just a playground for directors to grind their teeth? Yes. But then I ask you, so what? I mean, how many how many cop movies or lawyer movies or movies about coming of age or sports movies do we have? I mean, nothing wrong with that. The idea that superhero movies are supposed to connect to something else is a fairly recent one, really. I like the fact that we can have different directors and different people come in and and give their take on all these films. Um, why not? Uh, I love I love that. I think that's um, I think that's amazing. But you sound like you don't like that. I'd be curious if you don't. Why not? Tell us. Kaiju sent in a super chat and says. I enjoy the subtle details of this Batman. The sound of his boots were like a cowboy's spurs, his inexperience of flight and crash landing, even his occasional vulnerability during combat. Totally agree. He doesn't know everything, and it made him more believable. Like, if he knew how to do everything, if he just if he just kicked everyone's ass all the time, he would cease to be any kind of a, a credible character. So I think what they did, loved it. Loved it. Totally loved it. Uh, strong nerd says, I love the Batman in some ways. Didn't the Batman and even the city of Gotham feel like it was from the crow dude. Totally. And I, I love the crow. I think the crow Alex Preuss is 1994. The crow is, I can't believe that movie's approaching being 30 years old. That's insane. I think the crow is one of my favorite comic book adaptations. And it, there was definitely a crow vibe to this movie. It can't rain all the time. I could have seen that said or heard the song, Graham Revel's piece of score in that movie. Yes, totally agree. Good call. Regardless, it's a fantastic film. It is a fantastic film. Regardless, do you, do you not like The Crow? I love The Crow. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i down. Uh, Oliver Jamie, or Jaime, uh, sends in a super chat and says, Bat's narration, a good comparison to Rorschach's journal narration in Watchmen. Amen. I love Watchmen. I love the comic. Uh, and although Rorschach's narration's a little bit more R-rated, I totally agree with you. Oh, their pornography and fornication. No, I love Rorschach. Um, a big fan of Watchmen. Not necessarily the movie as much as I want to be. The movie's good. The long version's good. It's not great. It's not great. But I love it. But I love the comic. So you are right about that. Very similar. Power is power. Sends in a super chat. I love how him being in the second year as Batman, it gives room for him to make mistakes, but also gives a cushion for theories such as Venom use and prior Joker connections. I agree. I agree. And we've never seen, you know, we've always seen like the beginnings and then we go straight to the fully formed Bat people, even though really in Batman Begins, he's a newly minted Batman as well. But because he's been on the road for 10 years, He's he's learned a lot of things. He's been training and growing and, and and exploring what it means to be Batman for a long time. So this is a truly newly minted Batman. Uh, well, not newly minted, but two years on to his career. And I really love that. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Mr. Hank Dunn sends in a super chat and says, I agree with what the viewer said the other day. 
This movie may be realistic, but I could see them introducing Ivy Freeze and Man Bat. I mean, maybe, I don't know how, I just, I don't know how you would do it, to be honest. But, I mean, if Matt Reeves knows how to do it, I would I would trust in Reeves, but I would love to see how he does that. I mean, you could do it, but would it work? I don't know. Not quite sure how it would all work uh, perfectly, but... If it was set up right, maybe it could. I will not I will not say, no, it can't work. Because anything can work if you're clever enough. So we'll see. Kaiju sent a super chat. My wife, Veronica, has a crush on the Batmobile almost as much as she has a crush on you. I know you mean John, but I'd like to think. I've, I, you know, I've never known. I have never known a girl named Veronica in my life. Never met a girl named Veronica I don't. Th- well, I may. I might have met one, but I've never had a friend named Veronica in my entire life, and I've always loved that name, Veronica and Siobhan. I've missed out. Um, also, I demand that the Penguin smoke cigars on his HBO series. I think he probably will. I mean, although you know, smoking, smoking bad, can't set a bad example for the chillins. So uh, I understand that. I totally get where they're coming from. Uh, Joshua Toffee. Sends in a super chat. Thank you, Joshua. Philly G sends in a super chat. Reggie Brown sends in a super chat. Cabela sends in a super chat. Brian Karen sends in a super chat. Thurman Jones sends in a super chat. Dat Boy 22 sends in a super chat. And Kenna sends in a super chat. And uh, I just, well, damn it. That brings me to the end of this Batman or the Batman spoiler discussion. First of all, uh, from all of us here at the John Campia team, I want to thank everybody for generously supporting the channel via Super Chats and tips. And we very much appreciate your interaction and love what you have to say. Keep them coming. As you know, during the live shows, we open up the Super Chats. And if you aren't around to watch the live shows but you want to interact with us, We accept tips 24-7, and you can tip us, and we will answer your question, if we deem it appropriate, on the mailbag, which John and I, or I, or John, do three times a week. My name is Robert Meyer Burnett, and you can find me on social media at BurnettRM. Find me on Instagram at, actually, it's BurnettRM on Twitter. Find me on Instagram at RMBurnett, or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, but mostly find me right here on the John Campia YouTube channel. I want to thank everyone for writing in. Thank you for your great questions. Thank you for your great topics. And as John always says, I guess I can't do it like him. Maybe I'll try. Bye-bye. How was that? Was that good? <laughs>